Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Monday evening. Coming up in just a moment, the North Dakota legislature is not, will not be calling a special session regarding the state auditor. State Auditor Josh Gallin is going to join us here in just a moment, live from our Bismarck studio. We want to start tonight with this, though. The trade negotiations, I'm not going to call it a trade war, the trade negotiations between the U.S. and China are clearly in full effect. The market took a major hit today, dropping more than 600 points. As China this morning announced, hey, they are going to be putting more tariffs on $60 billion of U.S. goods. As we know, predominantly ag products, many of it going from 10% up to 25%. More on that in just a moment. I truly believe if you look at the metrics of our economy right now with unemployment, wages going up, things of that nature, the markets will come back. And as we talked about last week, we looked at uh, President Trump making the announcement that he's going to raise tariffs on 200 now, $250 billion worth of goods. That's going to be about at 25 percent. I'm going to explain to you what President Trump is doing and why he's doing it here in just a moment. But another important thing to keep in mind, President Trump has not made this decision yet if he's going to do it or not. But the United States, we've already just laid on tariffs on $250 billion. We also could, potentially could, put tariffs on another $300 billion worth of products. So the Chinese came back today uh, with, you know, some retaliation tariffs. But I think what some people are going to look at this, and they're going to say, okay, so we've got a total of about $550 billion of tariffs, or of goods, I should say, that we could levy tariffs on. China came back. The retaliation to us was $60 billion? Really? That, that's all you have in the coffers there is $60 billion to come back with? That, that is why President Trump believes right now he's negotiating from a place of power. I'm going to share with you what his strategy is in a moment. But of course, we have to start. We want to focus on our farmers. What President Trump is suggesting is that we're going to put these tariffs on Chinese goods. They're going to come in. Just to be clear here, the company pays the tariffs. So as they come into our country, the company that is buying those goods pays the tariffs, goes into Customs and Border, essentially the U.S. Treasury coffers, and then he wants to take some of that money, really $15 billion, $15 billion, and use that money to buy up ag products, more than we've done in the past via China and whatnot, trying to make our farmers whole. President Trump had a meeting today in the Oval Office. Uh, he was asked about his strategy to use this $15 billion to buy up egg products. Here's some of what he had to say. Well, it's being devised right now. It's uh, something that has taken place over the years. And if you uh, would like to speak to uh, Sonny Perdue, Department of Agriculture, uh, we love our farmers. We take care of our farmers. Our farmers have been incredible. No country can get in the way of our farmers. Our farmers are great patriots, and they've done a fantastic job. So our farmers are going to be very well taken care of. So I'd love to know your point of view on taking this money that's going to be generated uh, that ultimately companies pay for, some would suggest that you and I will pay for this tariff money, buying up egg products, and what President Trump wants to do is then ship those uh, egg products, those crops, to poor and starving nations. Do you like this idea or not? Many people are a little bit wary because of the uh, embargo we had on wheat back in Russia in the 80s, but, but here's all I want to share with the President Trump's strategy is, okay, he's saying... Farmers, we're going to keep you whole. We're going to take care of you. I realize that you won the presidency for him. But keep in mind that money is like water. So what President Trump is doing here is he wants to put as much pressure on China as possible. So as these products come in, 
they cost more money because of what a company is going to do, again, because money's like water, capital's like water, what he's going to do is say, okay, meaning this company is, well, maybe I'll go buy them this, uh, this product or this, uh, get my supply chain through Vietnam. Ideally, what he's trying to do is to bring manufacturing back to the United States because if we start to change our buying patterns, what President Trump wants to do is obviously change the situation with intellectual property in China, but also he wants to start to break up the supply chain in China to do what's happened to our middle class, essentially to theirs in a way. He doesn't want to hurt China, but he wants to say, hey, look, you guys are going to take it to us, then we're going to take it to your middle class as well, and we can buy these products from Japan, Vietnam, and ideally bring them right back to the United States. President Trump has been tweeting about this over the weekend saying, hey, Guess what? If you manufacture and produce your companies right here in the great United States of America, there are no tariffs. So that's his strategy here is to, to play these supply chain games with China, try to break them up and ideally create more competition. So thus keeping the prices fairly low so it doesn't cost you and I as much at home. It's going to take some time. There's going to be some bumpy roads. We're going to see that. That's why President Trump is saying, hey, I'm going to keep my farmers whole. We're going to get this program out as soon as possible. And I think some other good news along these trade negotiations is the fact that President Trump announced today we've got the G20 summit coming up in Japan in June. President Trump announced he will be meeting with President Xi in June. He obviously feels very, very good about getting a deal done uh, there. He's also going to be talking with President Putin as well. You heard him last week say, hey, we want to work out more trade deals, not less, more trade deals uh, with President Putin as well. So we'll see how these things play out. I know that many people on the left and the mainstream media, all they can talk about is Russia, Russia, Russia. So I think it's also important to note that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo will be meeting with President Putin tomorrow tomorrow as well so we'll keep our eye on that for you too so some bumpy roads ahead keep faith the american economy is very very strong he's trying to break up these supply chains and get china to the table to change the intellectual property situation and obviously create more markets for our farmers and our products and really just to have more fair and free trade would love to know your point of view on president trump's strategy do you agree with it or not please let us know. All right, there's been a big conversation about the state auditor here in North Dakota because at the end of the legislative session, the legislators put into a, a OMB budget bill how they wanted to change, I guess you could say, the autonomy of our state auditor. In the past, he had some more autonomy to go out and do performance audits. They're now saying, hey, you've got to go check with a committee before we can sign off on you going out and doing these performance audits. So today, State Auditor Josh Gallion met with uh, some leaders in our state, Senate Majority Leader Rich Wardner, Senate Minority Leader uh, Joan Heckeman, as well as the House Majority Leader Chet Pollard. And Josh Gallion joins us uh, right now from our studio in Bismarck. Uh, Auditor Gallion, first off, thanks so much for joining us. Let's start with the meeting today. I think there's a big, hey, what, what happened in this meeting? What's going on? So take us inside the room. For the people watching tonight, the most important takeaway from this meeting is what? Well, uh, Chris, thanks for having me. Uh, today's meeting, I think, was uh, it was very productive, and uh, it, it included uh, many members of the legislative assembly, as you mentioned. It was uh, we also had an open meeting, so we had we had members of the uh, the press were there. There were some uh, citizens that came and, and wanted to attend and listen in, and really, what we had an opportunity to do is talk about some of the issues and concerns. We could talk about uh, some of the the process, some of how. You know, we're waiting on the Attorney General's office to give us an opinion on how this will impact operations. 
Uh, but we were really able to address some of the uh, concerns that I feel that maybe we should have addressed during session before this was passed uh, regarding communication. Uh, so it was it was a pretty uh, pretty in-depth meeting. But did anything change? I mean, two things. One is, so the changes to the bill, how does that impact the people of North Dakota, one? And two, because of this meeting today, we, we found out that Senator Warder is not going to call back a special session. So is this bill going to stand as is for the next two years? That's a great question. I think until we get the Attorney General's opinion back on the, the, the I guess, how the law is structured, uh, those are some questions that we have posed uh, uh, to Attorney General Stendrum, and we are, again, waiting for the response back uh, before we really know how this impacts us. Now, as we've looked at it internally, the, uh, the way the bill is written, it talks about performance audits, and I think some of the information that's been floating out there uh, talking about our two-year agency audits, which we call operational audits, uh, there's been kind of a, a misunderstanding that, oh, those are just financial audits, that you know th this doesn't impact those at all. And the, the issue that comes up is back in 2000, uh, the auditor's office, uh, in, in conjunction with the Legislative Audit and Fiscal Review Committee, decided to switch most of those operational audits from financial auditing standards to performance auditing standards. In essence, nearly every audit that the state auditor's office produces is technically a performance audit. We produce very few financial statement audits. And so understanding how this even uh, small change impacts uh, the office and whether or not we need approval to do not just the traditional performance audits that most people think of, but really our, our two-year statutorily required audits. So we have a lot to try to figure out. Um, again, we're waiting on the Attorney General's office for clarification. Once we get that, we'll be able to better evaluate. So bottom line is that nothing really changes from the meeting today. We'll wait on the AG's opinion. One, one of the, the rumors that's flying around, Josh, hopefully you can clear this up, is if you go to an agency and, okay, we're going to conduct, like, for example, Department of Human Services, we're going to conduct this performance audit. There's a conversation going around right now that that agency, uh, I believe, pays for the audit, thus making it more expensive. I want to share with you what Governor Burgum said about paying for these audits and then give you a chance to hopefully clear this up. The legislature has clear authority to do appropriation, and if they appropriate money to 57 agencies, say, auditor shows up to do a performance audit, the agency has to pay the auditor for it. So part of the concern, I mean, I get the legislators on here that supported it, they would tell you that this was about, uh, they would also say this is about fiscal accountability, because, hey, we appropriated the money, and we want to we know that the money is going for what we appropriated to, not for some audit that we may or may not have approved. Your reaction, sir, and who does pay? So right now, for performance auditing in the state of North Dakota, the auditor's office does not bill agencies for those performance audits. The only audits that we actually charge uh, agencies for is if they have a special fund component. So if that agency has uh, certain special funding uh, appropriations, we will bill for that share of the special funds. We do not bill for performance audits. The, the cost of conducting those audits uh, is, is kept within the auditor's office. It's paid for by uh, salary appropriations that the auditor's office receives from the legislature. We do not pass those costs on to any agencies. So I, I want to take this angle a little bit, Josh, about what, what this bill potentially does to put some changes to what you're able to do and not do. Because in the past, um, if you wanted to go out and conduct a performance audit, you had full autonomy over that. Is that accurate? Uh, 
Correct. Well, I have the authority in law to initiate a performance audit. It's not something we take uh, lightly. It's something that we do require uh, at least go through some review internally and make sure that we've got sound uh, inf information and, and the, inf uh, the direction that we take is based on objective uh, facts. Uh, but yes, I have the authority but in so law to order performance audits. And that's what I want to get at. So how do you determine objectively if you're going to conduct a performance audit or not? There's many different areas where this information comes into the office, whether it be through other uh, two-year agency audits, if we uncover something that uh, maybe doesn't fit within the initial objective of that audit, we can, we can hold it over and, and maybe you know, call for a performance audit. We could have information come from the citizens. We take every complaint serious. Uh, it can be based on some other analytical reviews, uh, you know, things but, but that come up wanna, maybe in the media. That's know? what I want to get at, Josh, because you're human just like the rest of us. We've got a, a tip line here for our news as well, and so some things we follow up on become real, some things we follow up on are not real, and because of the fact that you're human, we've seen what's happened right now on a bigger scale in the DOJ. Is there a possibility for your position, I'm not saying you are, so hear me out, I'm not saying you are, but is there the possibility of your position to be weaponized? politically weaponized to be more specific I think I think the possibility exists however you know the auditors in the auditor's office uh, adhere to uh, the ethical standards required in under auditing um, procedures we follow the yellow book those auditing standards if if, if we were to violate some of that um, and um, those ethics and really try to weaponize this I would have auditors refusing to do the audits uh, you know, some of these are CPAs, we, we don't they know have that, professional though, licenses. I understand that, sir, but you, also, you know, they, there's, there's the chance that these people say, hey, I want to keep my job, so I'm going to go do what my boss is telling me to do, and now the onus becomes on you if they've got documentation. I mean, I bring this up because you're saying to me, hey, Chris, we get tips. Tips to me isn't really an objective way to go about mm -hmm. doing this. So my, my ultimate question is, no. because you're saying, hey, your position could potentially, again, I'm not saying you are, but potentially could be weaponized, isn't mm -hmm. some sort of check by going through this legislative committee a good thing? Well, when I say we get we get tips, uh, a performance audit is not going to be initiated based on on any kind of a tip. Uh, any of that information, we do conduct internal reviews to try to validate uh, the information to make sure that there is potentially something there. Uh, we need we need information from more than one angle before we would ever initiate a performance audit. Uh, those are something that we take very seriously in the auditor's office. I take them very seriously uh, just because of the, the sheer nature uh, of, of those, the cost it uh, requires internally for staff time. Uh, we dedicate those resources and we want to make sure that before we do that, we are in sound footing. That goes through internal review, uh, multiple and layers, management, career auditors are looking at this and they're the ones that advise me before any of that action is taken. Josh, I'm not making a comparison here, but I want to use an analogy just for our people that are watching at home. And again, I'm not suggesting you are, but I just want to give the possibility for people from the standpoint that we all were told Jim Comey and Bob Mueller were the most upstanding, most integrous guys in the world. If you do your homework, they entrapped people over in the UK. And so all I'm suggesting is that the possibility there, because you're human or the state auditor is going to be human, I guess what, I, what I'm asking is why wouldn't it be good to have some sort of legislative check to go, Okay, this seems like a fair audit. Yeah, we vote on this thing. This is a good idea. Let's do it. Well, 
there is communication between the auditor's office and legislative audit and fiscal review committee. Uh, we do notify them. We send them copies of our engagement letters. There is always opportunities for communication. We are, uh, I, I right, seek but they, out but they don't have any authority uh, to input. tell you no, correct? At this point, uh, no, they, they would that, not. That, but if there point. was uh, more information, um, no, th there is not a mechanism in place right now, but that communication occurs. Uh, to make sure that we make every uh, effort possible to avoid uh, any audit from ever being weaponized. That is, uh, that so, is a concern of mine, and, and as long as I'm state auditor, that is not something that I will allow. And again, I'm not so just to be clear, I'm not suggesting that you are in any way, shape, or form. I, again, I think our founders were great because they created these check and balance government because of potentials of other humans in the future. So the other question I think that people mm -hmm. would want to know then is, so, so who audits the auditor's office? Uh, we uh, get an uh, independent private firm. Uh, they come in. That is contracted by the Legislative Council. Uh, and so I think right now the most recent audit was conducted by Ide Bailey. So Ide Bailey audits the auditor's office. And so then the, the legislative, the legislature would have a chance to go through that and go, hey, this thing is being weaponized or it's not via that audit. Is that accurate? The, potentially, yes. They're the ones that would develop the audit scope uh, to audit us, and so we've, we uh, follow that uh, audit. They contract for it, and they come in and they review our, our books. Does that happen once a year, once every two years? Once every two years. So we are uh, technically a government agency, so we fall under the two-year operational requirements. And ultimately, I get that you are accountable to the people that elected you. I just wanted to create that scenario tonight so people are going to understand, hey, maybe, maybe this committee isn't as bad as some people are portraying it, but I want to give you the last word on that about what ultimately does this potentially mean for you. And because there's been sort of this consternation, do you see the situation getting referred? And do you see this committee, I don't want to say rubber stamping your potential audits right now, but maybe not having as much pushback because there's been a lot of light shined on the situation? Well, I, I, again, you know, communication is key. I think, uh, you know, our goal is to make sure that we are communicating with the public. We, we serve, you know, I serve the stakeholders or the citizens of North Dakota, uh, trying to make sure that we put this information out there in, in their hands. That's been one of my priorities, uh, one of my initiatives from day one. That's why we're leveraging uh, our website to a much greater extent. We're putting out press releases. We're, we're uh, using social media. Uh, all of these have been uh, to support uh, the rewritten audit reports. We, we include one-page summaries. Again, the goal is to make sure that we put this information in the taxpayers' hands. That's who we serve. That's who uh, deserves this information. They pay for it. Uh, the goal is, again, to try to get the, uh, the citizens engaged to understand what their government is doing. And I think, uh, I, I think we're doing a fantastic job with that. State Auditor Josh Galling, I agree. I mean, I appreciate you being aggressive, doing the things you're doing. I just want to lay out mm -hmm. some... Uh, potentials there to help us see this from some different perspectives. We got, I have a, a ton more I could chat with you about, but we're out of time, sir. So I want to say thank you very much. We look forward yeah. to having you back, okay? All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me.